Welcome to, to a very special edition of Laser Discourse. <laughs> Laser Discourse. Uh, man, that uh, theme really is getting me in the mood for this episode because it's, I feel like we just listened to that theme several times over in the yeah. movie that we just watched. <laughs> I may have channeled it when I came up with Sa- the Yeah, movie. right? Now now all of a sudden I'm seeing where this is coming from, mm-hmm. Nick. Yeah, yeah uh, Well, uh, that's Nick. I'm Charlie. Uh, welcome back to the show. This is Laser Discourse, a celebration of... Obsolete movies and obsolete technology. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Some some movies more obsolete than others. This one, uh, yeah, I think we're going to get into how viable uh, weird science is in the 21st century. It's not that it's the science part that's outdated. That is that as is, weird as it ever was. That, that was never dated. They, they don't really... This is more mysticism. There's I, not a lot of science involved it's here. It's a little column A, a little column B. A little bit, know? yeah. Yeah. It's very weird, though. But I don't think... Well, well, we'll get into it. There's a lot of things in this movie that would not make this movie possible today. Yeah. Uh, this can't. movie is, what, about 30, 35 years old now? In 1987, probably, I want to say. Probably even, uh, I, I think, 86 uh, on the uh, copy of the uh, wow. disc here. Yeah, we'll get into it a little bit. Uh, our our uh, veteran uh, podcasting pug, Hermano, is with us. Uh, Herman. If you can hear him uh, barking and yapping in the he background. He will not stop. He decided so now is the time to play. He's part of the show. He's going to input where yeah. he feels appropriate, and uh, we're all going to comment on his commentary, <laughs> and that's how it's going to go. That's how we do it. All right. Well, welcome back. Yeah, so uh, laser discs. Uh, I just got Weird Science on laser disc, uh, Nick, and I wanted to tell you the story because it's kind of an interesting story, I think. Uh, you waited mostly to tell me now, so I appreciate it. Yeah, that. I didn't want to spoil it for you beforehand, but uh, about a week ago I drove uh, – Two hours, one way, <laughs> a total four-hour round trip uh, to go buy some laser discs off of a, a gentleman a in large uh, collection. The South Bay. We I live in the North Bay area, uh, up in Santa Rosa. This gentleman was down closer to San Jose. Uh, his name was Don. Uh, he and his partner Richard had just moved into a new house. Everything was in boxes. He was trying to get rid of a bunch of stuff. That's good. You move after you move everything. You, yeah, you get rid of stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. They. Uh, <laughs> so, in addition to having about five hundred laser discs, of which I only bought about one hundred. I just want to make clear. Oh, good. I, I didn't. Good, I didn't good. buy all. I, I was able to stop myself from uh, getting the whole collection. But this guy had thousands of records. He's got all this old stuff. Uh, he, you know, in his late sixties. So. Uh, these laser discs uh, used to belong to a science fiction writer named Frank M. Robinson. Hmm. And uh, so I bought a bunch of these off of uh, Don, who had bought them off of Frank. And Frank uh, wrote several, he wrote like 16 novels back in the day. He, wow. he lived in San Francisco in the 70s. Uh, he knew uh, Harvey Milk, who was a well-known gay politician in San Francisco. Right, the mayor, yeah. Um, well, he wasn't the mayor, but he uh, was assassinated along with the mayor right that's how yeah uh, and if you've seen the movie milk with sean penn uh it's all about that story right look it up but uh frank and M. M. robinson frank was the speechwriter for harvey milk apparently and uh don knew all these guys back in the day so don knew scott smith who was harvey's uh boyfriend i, I suppose you, you would say who played uh, who was played by james franco in the movie mm-hmm. so uh james franco actually you know interviewed don at one point to learn about the character of scott and all that good stuff. So kind of a cool backstory. Uh, the collection had a lot of old science fiction, old like uh, 
Boris Karloff movies, uh, Forbidden Planet, uh, we almost watched. Had a lot of uh, just very interesting, some Criterion Collection stuff I'd never heard of, but we chose to watch Weird Science. Weird Science. <laughs> and in true fashion, it was down to two movies, and we rolled a D20 to see we did. which one it's a we 20, would watch. 20-sided die for you normal people. Normal. Uh, yeah, and it came up Weird Science, and uh, uh, this was definitely the only John Hughes movie in Frank's collection uh, <laughs> that I saw, at least. I didn't realize this was John Hughes. I had seen this at least three times already uh, because mostly I'm an Oingo Boingo fan, mm-hmm. and I feel like this movie is named after the song because I don't think the song was written for the movie. I think the movie was written inspired by the song. You know what? I could definitely see that being the case. I, I read this trivia that John Hughes wrote this movie in two days, so I can definitely see. Wow! And it and you wow. know, I I don't uh, yeah I, I I don't think that's a lie. I'm sure that's exactly. It's too close to the song. Yeah. To not be involved with it, and they play the song about three times in the actual in movie. full. Yeah, in not just pretty much in not full. just bits and pieces. The whole song gets played throughout. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, we're not going to sing it here, you know, uh, because our acapella voices are not, not as not yet sultry as Danny Elfman's. We'll see where we're at in about 20 minutes, but uh, <laughs> we yeah. might get into it. Who knows? You know, it'll be all in the name of science if, if we do. It will be weird. That's for sure. It will be weird. So uh, if you don't know Weird Science, it's kind of uh, the most bizarre John Hughes movie, I think, that exists. Oh, easily. Um, easily. easily. Most John Hughes movies are... Um, you know, 16 Candles or The Breakfast Club, where it seems like the teenagers all have some really important point of view and and life story, and they learn things, and they grow. And Weird Science is about two horny nerds who uh, decide, rather than get girlfriends, let's make one. You've just written the Hulu description of this movie. That's it, right there. No need to click more info. That's all you need to know. uh, Anthony Michael Hall, one of the great nerds of the 80s. And then a guy... Was he not also in The Breakfast Club? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And and he was in... uh, Was it 16 Candles? He's also pretty much a nerd in that Mm -hmm. one, too. Or Pretty in Pink. Yeah. Pretty in Pink was with Ducky, I think. John Mm -hmm. Cryer. Anyways... Yeah, Anthony Michael Hall. And then this other guy is like Elon Mitchell Smith. I don't even know this guy, but he is... Um, I'm going to assume that's who the character of Millhouse was based on oh, in The that's, Simpsons. That's a good call. I was getting yeah. strong Millhouse vibes Milhouse off of this guy. Vibes. Even just kind of the... <laughs> even the kind of just squinty, you know... Uh, just he was like, just the huge. Oh, he's the Poindexter. Yeah, he yeah. was the dud. He, he just like Millhouse. <laughs> that's <laughs> that's so what I love about it. Yeah, mean um, Millhouse. But these two guys in the first ten minutes of the movie uh, get pantsed by Robert Downey Jr. and his friend, and uh, they watch a Frankenstein movie and decide we're going to be the Frankenstein, the Doctor Frankenstein, not the monster. They're going to create their own monster, um, but they do it with a computer because this is the eighties. Wow. And uh, back in the 80s, at least in the movies, any kid just had access to the most advanced computer technology on the planet. Uh, this kid has like a setup with racks and there's uh, somehow somehow he's data somehow they're able to uh, to hack into NORAD or something uh, to make <laughs> this thing happen. They do. They hack into a government. Uh, can we take a second to talk about the hacking that that goes on in this 1986 yes. let's, let's please do. Fantastic here. Um, <laughs> it's a bunch of nonsensical wormhole type of scenarios with grids and multiple computer screens. Yeah. It it looks like uh, a combination of the movie War Games 
mm-hmm. and the 90s movie Hackers. Absolutely. So I think, you know, if, if you look at Hackers really closely, <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised to find some direct correlations between this particular hacking scene and the movie Hackers. Yeah, they dig deep. And it's it's kind of like, uh, also reminds me of the hacking scene in Jurassic Park where she's like got the map of the island and she's trying out different buildings and doorways. Oh, it's yeah. like they, yeah. in this movie, for whatever reason, they're trying to hack, which means you have to go down these doorways and hallways. Open and an actual door in the computer. In the virtual reality, yeah, computer. And for whatever reason, that gives them access to... Uh, compiling data uh I, like it's like how why do they need to hack i think they said they need more processing power this is why i don't doubt that this movie was written in two days because <laughs> this whole scene really <laughs> exemplifies just how they were like i don't know man just have them feed f- pictures from a magazine into like a shredder and then and the computer and then, will learn what you want exactly it's the computer will do it and uh well that, let's give this kids do. credit they thought of this idea on their own, at a sleepover, yes. in one night. Absolutely. That's what a bunch of Coca-Cola and candy bars will do for you, you know? <laughs> They're real go-getters. And yeah. then, you you know, they had the good sense to put bras on their head and chant a little something, uh, you know, ceremonial, as he says, uh, to make this really work. It really did work. And that's why I think there is a lot of mysticism involved. <laughs> I think that's there's right. something supernatural happening in this the movie. The unexplained is explained by the unexplainable. Whoa. You're wow. blowing my mind I'm right like here. like the Donald Rumsfeld of Laserdiscs. <laughs> there are known knowns. There are unexplainable oh, unexplains. These guys don't even know the unknowns. They of what are they're unknown doing. unknowns. And uh, yeah, it's never really explained how this happens, but uh, all of a sudden their room turns into some sort of a wind tunnel. Oh and uh, everything is flying around. There's a dog on the ceiling in the neighbor's house. Yeah, what is that all about? <laughs> it is weird science, dude. Man, things do genuinely get weird. Uh properties of reality change without notice and they're they're uh they don't care about that oh they're, they're like 15 16 yeah you know this movie is is so 100 percent told from the perspective of like a prepubescent boy it's it's really that's the best thing about it is it's just exactly that yeah there's no wondering how could this happen or why are they doing it they're doing it because it's a hot girl and they're lonely and and again yeah they're but it's like they're so innocent the whole time too. We'll get into why uh, I I think that. But it's it's told from this perspective of like the fantasy of even a, a younger, like a twelve or thirteen year old. I, I feel like you know where their big fantasies to go out dancing and nightlife and parties and like just nonsense that they've seen on TV or yeah. you know the the they thing. don't actually know they don't even know anything. Yeah, they're kind of just. Uh, Parroting so what, after what they, they create think. this this woman, so Lisa, yeah, so they do create a woman. They end up creating her. Her name out, is they name her Lisa out of a doll, right? They put a, doll a, a tiny plastic a doll together. Yeah, hook up some car electrodes to it, like a car battery thing, and then uh, boom, she turns a in, bunch of car batteries. She turns into the beautiful and then lightning strikes the house. Kelly LeBrock. Yeah, yes, and yeah, so lightning's all over the place. Kelly they, comes through the doorway. They want to impress her, and what I love about this is they get dressed up. They get suits on, right? And this one suit is like an orange blazer with a nasty blue tie. Oh yeah, and he thinks it looks fantastic, and he's drinking chocolate milk out of a juice box <laughs> and he's debonair af this is uh, anthony michael hall doing this oh yeah. my god the blonde counterpoint to the milhouseian character yeah oh my god he could almost be the bart simpson he's kind of got that, he is like a loser he's, bart he's yeah. snarky and mm-hmm. uh yeah he's got that sense of uh humor but yeah that's what i mean like they think they're so cool in this moment when they're just wearing the worst clothes but then 
uh, Kelly LeBrock, uh, Lisa, the magical scientific creation, somehow is uh, her powers include transforming their clothes and uh, yeah. making cars uh, appear out of thin air. She's kind of like a genie. Yeah, and they, again, they really don't explain how this is happening technologically. Or, or why. Or really. why, yeah. Uh, yeah, why she, she, she comes out just ready to please. Uh-huh. She is there as their creation, and she just wants to go party right. with she them. Says, you know, I have to do whatever they tell me. Yeah, she's really kind of into the uh, ownership aspect of this relationship, which is the first of many problematic things about weird. The second science. of which is she's like twenty three, and they're fifteen and 16. easily. Yeah, yeah, she's uh, she's a full grown adult woman mm-hmm. made from a computer, obviously. Yeah, so yeah, uh, and and there are they. Everybody is unabashed about their relationship. And uh, her age compared to their age, and there's there's some there's some kissing. There's a lot of uh, innuendo that might make um, you know I don't know the FBI uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, this is uh, such a problematic relationship. Uh, I don't see it being a long term thing. No, and, and you know, and I feel like there's just a little bit too like uh, they they hold on Anthony Michael Hall's kind of gaze a little too long. Like there's just a little. Too mm-hmm. much lust, yes, involved. A little again, extra creepiness for a, a young despite man of despite that the age idea of it being prepubescent in and, this and, type of movie. Yeah, I, they pretty much make it clear that nothing beyond kissing really happens, but that shouldn't even be happening. That is uh, pretty right. inappropriate stuff, right? Yes, uh, I don't think it's a thing you could get away with making uh, today. No, definitely not today, especially with just the ages and and uh, it's just. Very uncomfortable. Uh, a lot of the slang is slang that you would not use anymore today. Oh, man. They say... Some, yeah, some really F-bombs, but the F-bomb that I, I just... Yeah, the other F-bomb. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, it's just a real... There's a lot of cringe moments uh, Ex- yes. when they're doing this. Um, three days, okay, three days. And what was going on besides script writing in those three days, I don't know, but maybe <laughs> something influenced the three-day... Yeah, John Manza. Hughes uh, really... I think he. I think this movie is him putting everything he didn't get to put into a- any other movie, uh, you know, because of the wild tonal uh, shifts and the inappropriateness of it all that... The, the scene where she is created and then they, they go out to party... To the to the has, candy bar. They go to the K. they go to the candy bar in and uh, then the movie has just more inappropriate stuff that I did not see coming uh, at <laughs> all. Uh, Anthony Michael Hall has some drinks and is suddenly talking like he should not be talking. He's doing his best Eddie Murphy impression. He, yeah, and, and to be honest, for a fifteen-year-old uh, white young man. It's it's not horrible because you can tell he's obviously doing an Eddie Murphy impression, but at the same time, it's not appropriate. He's, he's not Eddie Murphy. Yeah, he's he's sitting at this table talking to all these kind of older black guys and uh, jazz. But they're guys. into it. They're like, and then what did she yeah. do? Yes, but his his slang and vernacular is <laughs> really? just uh, quite inappropriate. Very. I think that was the joke, but it was just out there and not it really. was like the verbal they didn't version the joke up it yeah. was just open it was like know, the verbal blackface uh, almost almost it, it was like getting to that point almost right um there was yeah uh, totally inappropriate stuff that you and i were laughing at wildly <laughs> because well, it's because also it was so, so stupid and funny yeah at the, the same time, time exactly in the time period anthony michael hall actually is really i think was pretty funny in this movie he's got a great yeah. time he's got a great sense of timing uh, he's so ridiculous. Um, 
that the scene in the candy bar maybe is not the best, but there's just some great moments where he has. But just, he went for it. He uh, was all he in. Did. On he that did go, scene, and that made it almost work. Almost work. Almost work. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then uh, after they party, we meet uh, Chet, oh, who God. I definitely want to talk about. Uh, this might have been the first real role for Bill Paxton uh, as Chet the the bullying older brother of uh, Wyatt, who is Millhouse. Mm-hmm. Uh, Anthony Michael Hall plays uh, Gary. Bill Paxton right? is a real asshole in this. He and is I love it. psychotic. He is so good at that. He is nuts in this movie. He's a, a, like a militant older brother who uh, threatens uh, Wyatt you know, makes to tell him, on him. He extorts and, him and you know, makes him fork over the cash for keeping secrets like having a party or... Coming yeah. home late or whatever. But the way he does it is just so... Uh, he's just got this way of belching his lines out uh, the whole time. It reminds me of... Uh, 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 what's uh, Kevin's older brother in Home Alone? Uh, Buzz or something, yeah, right? Yeah, it reminds yeah. me of Buzz to yeah. the you know, militant extreme. Did you ever see... Uh, it kind of reminded me, too, of... Uh, if Is you ever that saw, John Hughes also? Uh, he wrote it, yeah. Yeah, yeah he wrote it. Uh, Chris... Christopher Columbus, Chris Columbus okay. uh, directed uh, Home Alone, but yeah, it reminded me too of Bottle Rock, um, mm-hmm, where the mm-hmm. the one guy's older brother, Future Man, is is always bullying him and right. Uh, That's threatening Anderson, to tell. Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. A big Bottle I th- Rocket. Yeah. I think that was a big uh, Chet influence there in yeah. Future Man. But Bill Paxton just he's got the way he's just got his gut out and just so uh, swaggering around and just got that butthead kind of vibe about him you know he's just great um lovely love it love it love it love it but so then uh what i also love is uh they the music in this is really oingo boingo's weird science which plays about three times herman barking uh which in our (laughs) version happened a lot and uh they stole like the poltergeist theme straight up just played it at one point uh, for comedic effects, um, <laughs> there's no real other music. Not even really. I didn't notice any like incidental music. It's no. it's really solidly weird science, and that's the message. That is. They didn't that compose song. like a theme and then go variations. It's it's the, the recording of weird science. Yeah, and, and like you said, it. you're you love the Oingo Boingo. I was an Oingo Boingo fan club member. Uh, my first concert when I was eight years old was Oingo Boingo. Holy shit. Yeah, no joke. And That's this great. was this was before they went to just Boingo. And after they I'm sorry. were the there Mystic was... <laughs> Knights of the Oingo Boingo. Is so, that right? Yeah, that oh, is true. I did not know so that. they were Oingo Boingo at this point. Of course. And I was in the fan club. I had the poster, I had the patch, I had the letter that said, Thank you for being part of the Mystic Knights of the Oingo Boingo which was their original band name when Danny Elfman was basically doing like performance art with percussion stuff mm-hmm. from other countries mm-hmm. in the San Francisco Bay Area in like the, the 70s. It was all weird stuff and that morphed into Oingo Boingo that we all know and love today. And Danny Elfman, <laughs> the leader of that band, you know, basically does every Tim Burton soundtrack right, and a whole bunch of other great stuff. He's, he's a fantastic composer in his own right. So it doesn't surprise me that there's a whole movie made out of one of his songs <laughs> that is obviously influenced from the song because that's really how is. he works. He didn't, yeah. you know, didn't, didn't do the other way around. But it's such a it's it, Oingo Boingo is again I think one of those underrated bands. That yeah they had a few hits they they did their thing they they're very popular but absolutely I feel like we're gonna see an Oingo Boingo rejuvenation hopefully hmm. they have played their last show so I hear. As a as a group, but I think the younger crowd, like they're getting into Steely Dan for some reason now. <laughs> I think Oingo Boingo is gonna 
have it re- its They'll genius rediscovered. Excellent. Yeah. I hope so. Also, uh, I got to go float an air biscuit. So if you want to <laughs> wrap this up real quick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's one of the lines. One of the uh, many, many inappropriate lines. How many ways can you say fart in a movie? This yeah. one pretty much nails all of them. Uh, that was my favorite. Yeah. Floating an air biscuit. Yeah, you know, there's not really much of a plot to this movie beyond uh, they make no. a woman and everyone wants to oingo boingo her. <laughs> <laughs> That's the whole plot of the movie. <laughs> no, it's a coming of age film because, you know, they, it, they she helps them realize their own self-worth. Yes. yes their yes. own, uh, you know, the, their confidence. She shows them that people like them for them, you know, and not for driving these fancy cars that she creates. And, uh, yeah, but that's cool suits. But that's that she creates, she's like uh, she makes them throw a party, and it's like people will like you for who you are, not what you get them. Let's give them a big party. Right. <laughs> well, you know, you gotta you gotta have money to make money, right? I guess. <laughs> <laughs> and this kid has money, giant house. I don't know what yeah. the family situation is, but it's not. It does not look very loving and warm. Let's just say no. But it's a big old house, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, the whole second act of the movie into the third act is just one giant house party, which I think is what I love John Hughes movies for more than anything is the house the party. The teenager house the, party. The, where they just trash everything. Yes. You know, you've never been to a party like a John Hughes party. They don't exist. They're, it's a movie party. Right. It is only, on, uh, only in the movies right. do you get these giant parties. And this one is by far the biggest, most ridiculous. Uh, and again, I think it's his, it was his chance to do everything he couldn't do because it would be too unrealistic in uh, other you know other movies to have 300 people at the party here i just want to point out that herman doesn't care what you're saying because he's playing with his crinkliest crinkliest toy right now he has been sleeping for three hours we turn the mics on he starts going nuts he was asleep while we were setting up while we watching the whole movie and now we mics are on we're talking Uh, it's time to make noise so i'm gonna make crawling over all the gear so you get to enjoy that with us they probably can't hear any of it it's just us complaining actually (laughs) so that brings us to the turning point. Oh uh, yes, the which turning is at point. the party, and it they are all the two uh, boys and two girls are in the bathroom together, and the girls are the girlfriends of the two resident bullies. Yes, one of whom is Robert Downey Jr. Yes, billed only as Robert Downey in, in this movie. By the way, Ooh, he did, did not, not go by Junior yet. Wow. Um, but yeah, the the guys get this big party that they're throwing at Wyatt's house. They spend the whole time constipated in the bathroom is yeah. what's going on, basically. No, no, no. Uh, one of them, Wyatt, the Millhouse ripoff, yeah. is constipated. Yeah. And, <laughs> and Anthony Michael Hall would rather just stand there He's with him. He's just standing there pacing going, come on, man. we got to get back out there. Wait, I did not know that 15-year-old boys hung out together in the bathroom while one was constipated and the other just kind of encouraged him to hurry it up. Not my experience. Experience, you know, again, not my party experience. Yeah, this is a John Hughes party. <laughs> this is how John Hughes parties. This is <laughs> in the bathroom with it's his weird. best friend. It is weird trying to make a number two. I mean, they're not wrong. Yeah, it is a weird party uh, to go with the weird science. But um, yeah, the the two girls that eventually are the girlfriends who become the love. Oh in, yeah, the love interest because that, you uh-huh. can't actually have. The computer-generated twenty-five-year-old woman to be the actual love interest. Right. Yeah, she's actually turns into more of like a Mary Poppins figure, really. It, yeah, that's a. I think that's an accurate summation, and it does have heart. I mean, the movie 
for all its flaws and, and weirdness and improbability and unexplained phenomenon, does definitely have a lot of heart. And I think that's one of its most redeeming qualities. It didn't hold up as strongly as I had hoped it would <laughs> from the last time I saw it or from my childhood, but it was definitely full of heart. Absolutely. Um, quick shout out, Deb, the uh, blonde girlfriend that uh, Anthony Michael Hall gets with is uh, Suzanne Snyder, who I just want to say I really enjoy her work. She was in Killer Clowns from Outer Space. She was in uh, Return of the Living Dead Part 2. So she is our... She's uh she could be yeah I I'd say uh, if if you, this movie has a great uh list of just small kind of character actors but if you're going to go with uh who's that girl it's going to be uh Suzanne Snyder. I actually saw her she was at the uh Silver Scream Festival in Santa Rosa last oh, yeah. year because they screened uh Killer Clowns from Outer Space which which is a classic. Uh absolutely find that classic. on LaserDisc. Dude. Oh. I can't wait to f- I, it's got to be out there somewhere. That's an automatic yes every time for me. That's one of the great great uh, funny horror movie kind of mashups of, of the 80s and uh, she's the main woman uh, the main lead in that one uh, she was just a really nice person uh, when she was at the uh, convention and she screened the movie and took questions and she was just very nice and happy to be there and smiling and uh, everyone just uh, it was a great vibe her and uh, Kelly Maroney from uh, from uh, Night of the Comet and then Barbara Crampton from Reanimator were yeah. all there together and so Deb was one of the uh, girlfriends. Yeah, she was the blonde girlfriend. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Who Anthony Michael Hall gets with? Okay. Yeah, and she's great. She just has that pure kind of uh, good girl vibe. Um, kind of surprised she didn't get in more uh, at the time because she is just uh, a very likable person. But uh, the other who's that guy that I gotta bring up is I cannot believe Michael Berryman was in this movie. Oh my god! As immediately the mute- recognizable. The- I had totally forgotten that there was a subplot in which mutant bikers show up at the party. They crash the party, break down the walls, drive their motorcycles up the stairs, push people around, and they've got some kind of weird gun. It's insane. Thing. Yeah. And and Michael Berryman, he was in uh, the original The Hills Have Eyes, and he's just been in a ton of stuff. He was in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Uh, he's this giant dude with a kind of a cone head bald cone head shape so i thought weird he, eyes i thought he was also in the goonies am i uh, incorrect he might in this? be uh i because he immediately reminded me of sloth as sloth he you know, absolutely could have been sloth um, of course the infamous uh monster who, who uh you know joins forces with the kids against the fratellis his yes his best line against is, the fratellis yeah. Baby, <laughs> like that just like that, I don't think he was in the Goonies, but you had you would have seen him. He in looks like so many things. Slot from the Goonies. He's always like an alien or uh, just some weird mutant, and just like in this one, he is uh, one of the mutant bikers. I think what one of the other mutant bikers was in Mad Max because I mean it looks like they just came from the set of Mad Max. It does. And uh, again, they, not a lot of deep thinking here. Uh, yeah. Give me some Mad Max looking guys. I don't I don't care. Just like three, maybe one, maybe a woman in chains for some reason. Yeah. I don't know. OK, let's do it. It's totally absurd. And, and again, they, they're a creation of Lisa, the the computer generated woman who knows that the boys have to have some sort of a plot in this movie that we have to have some something to she's, overcome. Yeah, she's really trying so hard she, to executive produce this film. <laughs> That's really what, yeah, the so movie. So why do they, why do they have a party exactly? Yeah. I don't follow. She's like, well, we need people to think they're cool. The party's not doing it. Let's have them fight some mutant bikers mm-hmm. at the party mm-hmm. and uh, overcome them. 
uh, with real guns. Real, you know, <laughs> gigantic, uh, you know, make my day punk. It was a guns. huge make my day situation. It was an absolute. Uh, not the only time a gun is pointed at someone in this movie. No, uh, where she actually threatens Anthony Michael Hall's parents with a gun. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the an very earlier, same. an earlier sequence. Yeah, it's it's uh, the ultimate Chekhov's gun, but for weird science. Um, yeah, such a such a strange movie, and and her powers again. Somehow she's able to concoct this stuff out of thin air. She's got some sort of mind control ability over the parents. Uh, she makes them forget. I think she just cast that Harry Potter spell, the uh, Obliviate. There you go. You know, yeah. Because one of them, uh, the uh, Gary's father, forgets who Gary is, while yeah. his mother is trying to convince him, <laughs> Gary, our son. I don't know I who don't this know. Gary is, but I'm really tired of this. <laughs> yeah, she worked. Uh, the powers worked a little too well on that one. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, and then uh, the the again another moment where they're trying to uh, create another woman for the Robert Downey uh, Jr. Uh, bullies. Um, the the a, f- a photo starts dancing, uh, a room turns entirely blue, and everyone in it turns blue. Like it's just, I, he's just throwing. It's almost like he just threw stuff against a wall and was like, "What's what do we have stick? in the stock room? Yeah. Uh, that we can use. We got all this blue paint. All right, that's something. Right, make the room blue. That's, we got a lot of do fans. It. Do it. Just that'll blow do it. some stuff that'll around." My favorite thing, though, that that uh, Lisa does in this movie is when she uh, turns Chet into a little blob thing. I, I I'm gonna call him a shit monster. <laughs> I think he's supposed to be a sentient pile of shit. He does with arms, with arms and, and haircut. He still got the crew cut. He still got the uh, the army uh, crew cut there. It it's still really Bill good. Paxton's voice. It is. Uh, it's they didn't give him like a gurgle voice. It's still very much just Bill Paxton talking, and it's with, with gurgling noises. There's added. some gurgling going on. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, he eats a fly at one point, and he's like disgusted with himself. That's what I love. Where <laughs> I he's love like that. he couldn't help himself, and he's like, I can't, oh, what's wrong with God. me? There's just so many great moments like that where people are. It's almost like uh, the characters almost become self-aware of how stupid the movie is. There is like, a fourth almost, wall where uh, yeah. Anthony Michael Hall looks at the camera just for like a split second, so and you yeah. know it was meant to go. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Can you guys believe we're actually making this movie right now? Hey, did you guys get a load of the shit monster? <laughs> it's insane. It's yeah. almost to say like, yeah, and we're not gonna explain it. Uh, yeah. Sorry. Sorry, nerds. Oh man, weird science. So freaking good. So good. So problematic, though. I can't. Oh, man. Honestly, it would be one of those where it's like I loved watching it just now. I don't know if I could recommend this movie to people. Like, I don't know if I could tell it other would have people to be a like, specific type of person. I could not be like, dude, you gotta see Weird Science. You know, the scene where he talks like blackface. <laughs> you know, this the <laughs> scene where like he genuinely calls a woman a you know the b word and they say like really outdated slurs and uh mm-hmm. yeah you got to check out weird oh, science yeah. bro so funny no no mm-hmm. not not real you got to know what you're getting into and you got to understand it's a 30 year old movie that was trying to be edgy then it, you know well it did i would think i think so it I, must have succeeded and, uh, but i do recommend seeing it for kelly lebrock was <laughs> yeah, she is fantastic. I, what else has she done? Great. I want her whole collection. Uh, she only has about sixteen uh, acting credits. She is fantastic in this. She really holds it all together, and you know, I think rides the nonsense wave well. Her character has just the right amount of depth for the movie. You know what? You're not wrong. I mean, she has an imp- an impossible task with being a, a, a literal yeah. sex bot who's mm-hmm. supposed to have heart and wisdom and all this other male fantasy crap. I mean, this is the ultimate like kind of 
icky male fantasy. I think it was really right. what it comes down to, like why it doesn't really work today. Yeah. Because it just is not a – like I wouldn't want my kids to – if I had kids, I would not want my young like 12-year-old son to see this and think that that's how you're supposed to talk to people, treat people. Yeah, no. You know, I don't think it's a, a very good movie in that regard. Because um, nobody has any problems with how they're doing it in the film. You know, it's – it's just accepted. Yeah. It's like, oh, this is what normal people do all the time. And Exactly, yeah. yeah. Uh, it looks like uh, Kelly LeBrock made her screen debut in The Woman in Red, uh, which has got Gene Wilder, directed by wow. Gene Wilder. Wow. Um, so I'm not... I, 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 would, I would be interested in checking out. A romantic out. comedy there. Uh, Weird Science. Five years later, she was in Hard to Kill with Steven Seagal. Hard to Kill. So oh, man. Even, even after the success of Weird Science, maybe IMDb is not up to date, but even after the, the success of her role in that movie, she doesn't work again for like five years. Maybe She's probably she more of a model. Things. Yeah, I think that that very well. I, I'm going to go here. with, yeah, I'm going to go with she was probably a model. or a, That would make sense if she was a model who got hired for this job because it was supposed to be someone who looks perfect and is a male fantasy, et cetera, et cetera. Etc. 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 Fill in the blanks. But you know what? Yeah, she is actually quite. Uh, she is very good in this movie. Um, you're right. It, she's not just the looks. She's. Uh, she's got. She has. She has got the heart, and she is the one who's kind of driving the moral message, of uh, just be yourself and don't don't create women. Right. Right. In, in, well, in, in one a scene computer when, simulation. Don't so do that. It, after the turning point, right? <laughs> yeah. Whether the boys are in the bathroom with the uh, the other two girls, they're kind of deciding whether or not to you know, could pursue them uh, romantically and what do they tell Lisa and oh, she'll understand and they decide, okay, we're going to do this and we'll tell her later because she'll understand and we just got to do whatever feels right. They look back down at the, the <laughs> girls and they've suddenly turned into very unattractive versions of themselves. Uh, yeah, was that supposed to still be them? I think that was the but heart. like a spell? Part, yeah. That, uh, was, that was another problematic That was Lisa joke. saying... Uh-uh-uh, you got to do the right thing even when you think no one's looking. Mm. So she really is the moral authority in this movie, you know, because she knows what's going on, and she doesn't stand for it. Well, yeah. there you go. There, but then they end up together anyway. So she was, treat, you know, she was showing them, teaching them how to do it the right way. You know, you don't want to just, you know, uh, hang out with these floozies at a party and cheat on the, the girl that you love. you got to understand your inner emotion before you can really move on. They, yeah, very true. And she does the same thing with Chet when she turns him into a shit monster. <laughs> That's exactly what she She's does. She's like, Chet, she makes you're a him mean person. Yeah. His internal, you know, failings as yeah. a human being. Yeah. And luckily the boys, uh, you know, are just discovering them and they have learned a life lesson without really having to treat anybody like shit for years and years. <laughs> but Chet, at least he's still got time to turn it around. You know what I mean? Exactly. He does. He does not stay a shit monster. Mm -hmm. he, he is able to live a full, decent life, testicles intact, as he checks uh, in he just another shit. great... The first thing he does crass, when he turns back into a human. Just another crass moment in the movie. Checks the boys. <laughs> Well, Nick, that is uh, that sums up weird science. I think we hit all the highlights. I think we hit all the highlights and all the lowlights. There is a movie. yeah. It, it's uh, if you want to see a movie for all the inappropriate reasons, or of, if you're just a fan of Oingo Boingo. Oh, especially if yeah, if you're a fan of Oingo Boingo, you've already seen. I I would hope you've already seen weird science. <laughs> you but can imagine if somehow you've gone your whole life and you haven't made that leap. Uh, check it out. It's quite quite funny. It's just so. Uh, absurd it's just really like i said it it 
John Hughes's uh, other movies are so grounded in reality. Maybe not Ferris Bueller, but <laughs> most of his <laughs> movies at least are supposed to be grounded in some sort of actual reality. Uh, this one, he is able to do the supernatural and the impossible and just have a lot of fun with that. And uh, he does. I mean, that's what it's, it's fun watching these people obviously have fun doing what they're doing. And I, that's that's what I love about Laser Discourse uh, is watching people have fun with what they're doing. Hey. And so until next time, Charlie... Uh, let's go watch some more laser discs. We will. We're gonna have fun doing it, and uh, we will uh, reach out to you folks on the social media. Reach out to us. Tell us what movies you want to hear us talk about. And uh, until then, stay weird. Stay weird, man.